You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, August 5th. 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com, and today our episode is brought to you by Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you subscribe to Peacock and Williamson, also subscribe to Locked On Jets. That's this show. We're a daily podcast covering the New York Jets with new episodes Monday through Friday throughout most of the year. And if you subscribe, we'll deliver new episodes as they are posted each day. Also, give this show a five-star review. That helps us out quite a bit, and we really do appreciate it. On today's show, I'd like to do a bonus mailbag. Usually, we do a mailbag show each Wednesday, but there are some weeks where we get enough questions to do two mailbag shows, and once we get to the regular season, it becomes difficult to do these bonus mailbags. I I enjoy doing it, so while we still can, we're going to do a second mailbag show this week, and as always, thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our first question, early reports out of training camp indicate there are a significant number of rookies and second-year players currently occupying spots on the first team. This is more heavy on the offense, where you could see five spots being occupied by rookies and second-year players, Wilson, Becton, Vera Tucker, Michael Carter, and Elijah Moore. Do you think this is due more to a philosophy of this new regime? Perhaps is this an indicator of just how well these guys are playing? Or, or is it a referendum on just how bad the talent has been on this roster? So three options here. Is it that the new regime likes young players? Is it that these guys look good? Or is it just that the rest of the competition is that bad? And I think it's a combination of the three. Now, I think it's a little early to say de- definitively what this new regime believes philosophically, but... I'm inclined to believe that they like going with younger players from the standpoint that they have not brought in any veteran at corner. They're inclined, it seems, to let young players fight it out at that position. And those are unproven young players, and those are young players without high draft pedigree. So I think that you could make the case that maybe there's some philosophy here. And again, I like the idea of going with young players if all things are equal part of it is obviously the Jets were a 2-14 and 14 team last year. They're rebuilding. And when you're rebuilding, you go young. That's just, you know, that's just one of the things you do. You get rid of the, you get rid of the players that you had and the players you bring in are typically younger because you want guys who are going to grow with the team. You want guys who are going to be with you for the long haul. And part of it, I would presume, is that these guys are playing well. I mean, every day you hear reports from training camp about Elijah Moore and how he's dominating. I mean, it's very difficult to not get too excited. I always warn against these tremendous reports you get on a player from training camp. There's still a long way to go, but 
Elijah Moore is making it very difficult because all he's all anybody can talk about. He's been reportedly one of the uh, maybe the a star player of this training camp. Um, and you know the other thing I always say that you should be very cautious when you're dealing with rookies because it is a very big transition to the NFL. And I always like to say that except unless you're talking about like your first round pick, maybe your second round pick, you can't really expect a whole lot. But here's the thing with the Jets. They had two first round picks this year. And not only that, but you had Elijah Moore, who technically is the second round pick, but he was drafted very high in the second round. He was close to being a first round pick. And you also have Michael Carter, and I always preach caution about fourth round picks. Guys drafted after round two, they very rarely contribute on day one. But Carter plays a position running back where it's not unheard of to have a guy step in and produce right off the bat. And you know, part of that's the Jets don't really have many proven players at the running back position. In th- you know, in today's NFL, the running back position has been devalued. So I can completely believe that a talented running back can step in and succeed on day one. Because you, you think about the running back position. I mean, there are certain nuances you need to learn at other positions. I mean, certainly quarterbacks are a big transition. Running backs, you get the ball and you avoid tacklers. And listen, I, I'm vastly oversimplifying things because there are still techniques you need to pick up and one of the things young running backs usually struggle with in fact the the number one thing that typically keeps young running backs off the field is learning pass protection because many college schemes do not ask their running backs to protect the passer that frequently coaches in college tend to not not do a very good job of teaching that in the nfl you got to be able to pick up a blitz as a running back because that's just, I mean, you just it's just a non-negotiable. The blitzes come in the NFL in a way that maybe they don't in college, where in college offenses can more take things to the defense. They can keep, keep, keep the defense on their heels. They can dictate the terms of play. In the NFL, defenses try to dictate the terms of play, and they do that by blitzing, and your running back better be able to pick up a blitzer. That said, though, I mean, I could totally see Michael Carter contributing right off the bat. So, you know, it's a, I think it's a little bit of everything here. I, I think you, you like to be optimistic, especially with Elijah Moore. You know, part of it's just the Jets are rebuilding because they were 2-14 and 14 last year. But, you know, a big part of it is that they're not – this is not your typical rookie class. Lots of blue-chip prospects coming in for this team. So I think that's a big part of it. You know, obviously, Becton, there are high expectations for this year. But when you bring in three of the top 35 players in a draft class, I think it's pretty reasonable Pretty reasonable to expect to get three starters from, the, from that class right off the bat. Now, does it always work out that way? No. Does it mean the class is a failure? No. But I think that this is different from... Uh, you know, normal class where maybe you draft somebody in the middle, middle of the first round, middle of the second, middle of the third. What you got in this class was top of the first, middle of the first, top of the second, and then a, again a running back who has got ability, a guy who might be a plug and play guy at a you know a position where you can get plug and play guys later on in the draft. You know, I don't want to oversell this. I don't want to get you too excited, but there's legitimate reason to believe that. And listen, we may be, you may be listening to this. You know, if you're listening to this three years from now, you may be laughing at me, but it's, there's a legitimate reason to believe the Jets may have gotten four starters in this draft class, four immediate starters. And I usually am very, very cautious about making proclamations like that. In fact, I argue with people every single year 
everybody every year people say we got four immediate starters and i disagree and people tell me i'm wrong and i'm usually right this could be the could i want to emphasize the word could but this could be the exception this could be a year where the jets get immediate contributions from four players this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this bonus mailbag show on this Thursday. Our next question Who should the Jets captains be this year if they have them? It's difficult for me to answer because the players are the ones who really know who the leaders are in the locker room. Something interesting, if you look at the players who were elected captains last year, they were Sam Darnold, George Fant, Steve McClendon, Marcus May, and Matthias Farley. Now, those are five names. Three of those guys are no longer members of the Jets. Darnold, of course, was traded to Carolina. McClendon was traded during the season to Tampa Bay and ended up winning a Super Bowl with the Bucks. And Farley is with Tennessee now. Now, he was the special teams captain. He was not a core player on this team. So the only two returning captains from last year were George Fant and Marcus May. And, you know, I think it does speak volumes. The fact Fant was able to earn his teammates' trust and get a captain spot after signing last offseason. So, you know, maybe that tells you something. But really, as long as the players are the ones electing the captains, that's the important thing. You know, I go back, I think one of the biggest mistakes Rex Ryan made was in the 2011 season. He named his own captains that year, and that ended up being a disaster. You know, Rex was always a guy in his early seasons with the Jets the first couple of years. He named different captains every week and typically it was you know a revenge game where you a guy was going up against his former team or he was playing in his hometown there was something that motivated the player to be the captain for that week and then his third season 2011 he named captains for the season and he I mean he obviously named since Antonio Holmes which was a disaster because Holmes alienated himself from his teammates he thought he was I, I remember at the time Rex thought he was going to motivate Holmes to take on a leadership role and it ended up being a t- catastrophe where Holmes essentially got himself thrown out of the huddle in the final game of the season when the Jets were falling apart and missing the playoffs. I think another mistake he made that year was naming Mark Sanchez a captain because even though Sanchez was the quarterback, it was kind of clear that he had not taken over the locker room. And there were, you know, it, was, it seemed like the locker room was kind of divided. There were stories that came out with some, some players questioning his leadership skills. And Rex at the end of the season said he, he made a mistake naming captains. I don't think he made a mistake naming captains. I think he named the wrong players captains. He didn't make these guys earn their leadership spots. And the best way to do that is just have the players elect captains. So I, I don't have many names. I think the players are the ones who know better than I do who the captains should be. I, and I think that should be the mechanism. I think it should be, you know, the players know who their leaders are. It's not up to the coach to decide that. It's not up to me to decide that. So, I just I can't give you names. I mean, I guess Fant and May would come to mind because the player, you know, they were elected captains last year. But outside of that, 
I think it should just be up to the players. You know, you don't you don't impose leadership on the players. Players take leadership in the locker room. Our next question, what are your thoughts on Kyle Phillips? I think people forget how good he was against the run. He would be a nice rotational player in a defensive end group that is more pass rushed focused. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits on this defense. I could see him playing defensive end. I could see him playing defensive tackle. And you're right. You know, you go back to his rookie season in 2019. He was excellent against the run. He was constantly in the backfield, posted a very high number of tackles for a loss. You know, I, I don't have many good things to say about Adam Gase, but one thing I will say about Adam Gase is I think that this he played a role in this decision. The last spot on the defensive line that year was between Kyle Phillips and Ja'Kai Polite. And normally it wouldn't even be a discussion of an undrafted free agent against the third-round pick. And I love the fact that the Jets made it merit-based. The fact that the, the undrafted free agent outplayed the third-round pick, so the undrafted free agent got it. You, Ja'Kai Polite did not, earn a roster, did not get a roster spot based on draft position. He did not earn his spot. He did not get to stay. I actually really appreciated that when Adam Gase did that. And I don't appreciate many things Adam Gase does. Now, that said, it was kind of easy because Ja'Kai Polite was a guy Mike McCagnin picked. It was easy for Joe Douglas to cut him, too. I mean, I don't know that Joe Douglas is doing that to a guy he picked. But I, I appreciated the the fact that in that one instance, merit came into play. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is every single year, you know, some draft pick plays, poor, plays really poorly in preseason. And people say... Oh, you have to be fair to him. You have to give him more time. It's not fair to to judge him right now. But that actually, that is a perfect example. The Phillips polite example is the perfect situation to explain why that kind of thinking is wrong. Because this roster is full of undrafted players who are working just as hard as the drafted players. And essentially what you're doing is you're giving, when you say something like that, I think you are giving special treatment to the drafted players because there are young players, there are undrafted players who are just as hungry, working just as hard, who, who you know, may also have a shot to succeed in the NFL. And when you cut somebody, you, you only have 90, you only have 53 spots on the roster for, and lots of guys have to be cut. And typically if you're saying that the, un, the drafted player has to stay no matter what, that means you're not giving a, a, an undrafted player who worked just as hard a legitimate shot at making an NFL career for himself. So that's just a, a thought. But I like Kyle Phillips. Like I said, I'm going to be interested to see where he plays. There is an open spot. I mean, uh, if you look across from Carl Lawson, there is an open spot. There is playing time to be had there. Maybe he can work his way into the rotation. Uh, it's certainly plausible, especially with – I don't think Vinny Curry is going to be a full-time player, but Vinny Curry's out the, at least the first week of the regular season. So – We'll see. I mean, I think he's got as much of a shot. Now, Bryce Huff, you know, his report, you know, there's lots of talk that he's playing pretty well in training camp. He could be in the mix there. But there is an opening if Phillips goes out and earns it. And I'd like to see him, you know, I'd like to see him play well. It's, you know, it's nice. It's kind of one of those, it's one of those nice things that the guy who played as well as Kyle Phillips did in 2019 isn't really at the front of anybody's mind because there's so much talent on this defensive line. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this bonus Thursday mailbag show. Before we get to our next question, there actually was a minor roster move the Jets made yesterday as they signed veteran quarterback Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson is the journeyman of journeyman quarterbacks. He's played in four different professional leagues. He's played for 16 different professional teams. He's been in professional football since 2008 after a college career where he played at the University of San Diego under Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh was the head coach at the University of San Diego as he began his coaching career and coached Josh Johnson. He was a fifth round pick in 2008. And for a guy who's played professional football since 2008 he's been the starting quarterback for one NFL win that came in 2018 when he was with Washington he actually had a brief stint with the Jets in 2015 after Geno Smith suffered a broken jaw the Jets were short on quarterbacks that preseason because they did not want to put Ryan Fitzpatrick on the field because you know, they were, at that point Geno Smith was scheduled to be the starting quarterback for the Jets so he was out Ryan Fitzpatrick was the veteran who was taking over. They did, the Jets did not want to risk him at that point, so the Jets needed an extra quarterback. So they went out and signed Josh Johnson along with Matt Flynn. So Johnson had a brief 10-day stint in the preseason in 2015. Not much of a track record of success in the NFL. He does know the system, but pretty uninspiring signing. Maybe it's a sign. That, I mean, I guess we're just guessing what it means, but it might be a sign the Jets aren't loving what they see from James Morgan or Mike White. I got to say, behind Zach Wilson, I'm not very confident. I haven't been very confident. I don't think Joe Douglas has done a great job, and this does not increase my confidence at all. But Jets did did bring in Josh Johnson, so welcome to New York, Josh. Anyway, our next question. I covered the Falcons here in Atlanta for a decade. I found it so much easier being analytical since I'm not a fan. How do you separate your emotion as a Jets fan from having to analyze them? As a Jets fan, I already have Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore in Canton. Well, you know, if you listened, I guess sometimes, uh, So, I would, to be honest with you, sometimes it's a big struggle to separate my emotion from regular analysis. I, to be honest with you, I, I think there are times where I really struggle to do that, but you just do your best. I mean, I don't think of criticizing the team as being anti-Jets. When I criticize the Jets, what I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make the team better. I'm trying to get the Jets to, and I'm, not that the Jets are listening to me for advice, but my criticism is always meant to be constructive, or maybe not always, but generally speaking, my criticism is meant to be constructive. It's not that I'm doing it because I hate the Jets it's doing it's I'm doing it because I think the Jets can be better if they do these things that I'm saying you know I think whenever anybody begins writing about the Jets um, you know talking about the Jets on a podcast they come in with the same mindset and that's you want to be positive you want to present an enjoyable view because nobody wants to listen to somebody who's negative and listen I try and avoid being negative when I can, you know, I hated the, I hate stretches where the jets are being really dumb because nobody wants to get, come to a podcast and listen every single day to somebody criticizing everything the team does. Now, sometimes it has to be done because the jets are doing dumb stuff, but you don't want to do that. Um, but ultimately, you know, one of the things 
you learn, I think, when you do this for long, when you do this long enough, you see certain patterns repeat themselves. And I think you become better at understanding what the right things are or what the wrong things are, broadly speaking. It's one of those things that's very difficult to avoid. And you realize that when teams succeed, there's a reason for it. You know, everybody wants to think that the things are always going to go right for their team, but they don't. And there are reasons that they don't. And when things go right, there's a, there are reasons that they do. And I think the more you watch it, the better you become at figuring those reasons out. And again, I think you try and at least I try and present it for the most part in a constructive way. I don't, I never liked shows where the person was always, always, always positive, but I also didn't like shows where people were always, always, always negative. So I try and do my best to kind of provide a balance and, you know, maybe I fail more. Maybe I fail sometimes, you know, hopefully I succeed most of the time, but I, if the jets are doing something good, I try and say that if the jets are doing something bad, I try and say that. And I think ultimately when you figure out when you, you, at least when you do your best to figure out what makes teams successful, it becomes easier to be analytical because you're not criticizing because you hate the team. You're criticizing because you want to see the team take a better path forward. I guess that's, I guess that maybe that's the way I would answer that. It's an interesting question, but I do think, look, I'm a fan. I, I think I, there are plenty of points where I struggle to separate my fandom from being as analytical as I should be. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.